and welcome back to the Maddox Sessions Throwback Edition, where we share thought-provoking, amusing and insightful content from our previous Women in Technology World Series events. In this episode, we have the IT geek, the hippie yogi, the bookworm, the caretaker, the introvert, but also known as Menet Mokta, who was the IT area lead at ING. Menet shares her personal journey and practical advice on how we can authentically bring ourselves to the workplace while managing the multiple use out there. As the current pandemic is completely overhauling what we know, we're slowly understanding the importance of culture and personal diversity, especially in the digital space. Menet shared her thoughts in 2018 at our European Women in Technology event in Amsterdam. Fast forward to now in 2020, there's still some golden nuggets in there to be your true authentic self. So my talk is about bringing the full you to the workplace. And this little awkward moment was me bringing the full me to this talk. It's something that I've learned over the last couple of years. It really helps me feel relaxed and in the moment. Highly recommend it at work and in your personal life. So what does it mean to bring the full you to the office? There's been a lot of literature TED Talks, and I think there's a book almost with the exact same title, a lot of research that explains what that means, and I will not talk about any of that. So what I would like to share with you is a bit my own personal journey. And bear with me, it's going to be a little bit of a long introduction. So I am originally Egyptian, born and raised in Egypt. I studied computer science. Um, right after university, I moved to New York. And this is where my career started. I worked in New York for a bit, moved to London, moved back to New York, and everything was going great. My career was progressing. I was getting promoted. It was really good. And then, maybe seven or eight years later, I went to Egypt. For my, my mom was in Wales, so I went to Egypt on a, to see her. And that overlapped with something you might have heard of called Egyptian Revolution was very intense. It was a month of extreme turmoil and a lot of happy moments and excitement and fear and everything. Um, I won't tell a lot about that because then we'll be here all day, so we'll skip through that. <laughs> but I think that month triggered something in me. When I went back to my office in New York and I was sitting at my screen, I had three screens by then, <laughs> and um, I was having my coffee, my colleagues were coming by, checking up on me. How was it? What was happening? Are you okay? So all the hype was still there. Things started to calm down. And when things calmed down, I started looking at my screen. I was like, where am I? And what am I doing here? And where was I two days ago? And how does this all fit together? I started feeling like this is just strange. I'm not where I am. I always felt that if I'm doing well at work, and if I'm progressing and things are going great, it means that I'm on track, and I should be fulfilled, and I should be happy. And I didn't feel like that at all. I actually just felt really trapped. I was completely in this feeling that well, there's so much more, and there's more to me. How do I know that what I'm doing is the right thing, and my life is heading in the right direction, and all of these very existential questions. <laughs> um, and with that, I decided that I will do something different. I, I think it took me about a period of maybe nine months, and I quit my corporate job. I was like, yes, I'm going to go find myself. 
yeah, cliche, <laughs> to say the least. And I imagine it would look a little bit like that. You know, you go and you find your passion and you see what is your purpose in life. And then uh, I had already started doing yoga. I really liked it. I became a yoga instructor and I was diving and I was traveling and I was visiting friends and being with friends and family. And everything you would imagine is perfect, right? It sounds like the ideal life. You do whatever you want, you find your passion. And with your passion, your life is everything falls into place. Yeah, it didn't exactly look like that. <laughs> so I think a year after, funny enough, I started getting the exact same feeling. I was like, well, but I miss technology and I miss structure and I miss working in a team. And yeah, no, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. It's, that, it's different. Again, I'm trapped. So vicious cycle, right? <laughs> you would think, yeah, corporate doesn't work. Let's go find ourselves. Yeah, that didn't work either. I think corporate was good. I'm going to go back to corporate. Yeah, that makes sense. So I did. <laughs> and with that, I moved to Dubai. I started working in a real estate investment fund. Um, it was a small company, and I was doing everything from like setting up Wi-Fi to writing the code and literally everything related to technology. It was great. I had colleagues. I felt my brain is working again. Um, and it went really well for about a year. And surprise, surprise. <laughs> so a year, I think, I was living in Dubai then. Think of Dubai in the summer, 45 degrees, really hot. We had a very important presentation about 10 minutes away from the office. Um, we were setting up, and there was like big investors coming. We we're setting up the laptop, and nothing is working. Connection's not working, laptop's not working. It's like, oh, no problem. I'm going to run back to the office. I'll get everything and come back. I did. Ran to the office, came back, all like red, huge hair, sweaty. I was like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> so we've set it up, and the presentation started, and I'm sitting in the back of the room. I was like, okay, this should be a proud moment, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> Surprise, surprise, <laughs> all the feelings started coming back again. It's like, yeah, but is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? You remember when I had this free life and I can do whatever I want? Yeah, vicious cycle. So I found myself that I keep going through this vicious cycle. I get trapped and I free myself and trapped and I free myself. So I would like to ask you a question. Has anyone of you ever been in this point in life where you feel I'm stuck, I'm trapped, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, is this really the purpose of my life? I'm not happy. Sounds a bit familiar, maybe? Okay, great. So if it's familiar, please stand up. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, had to, I have to admit that when I was preparing for the presentation, I did think, I was like, what if no one stands up? But good, everyone stood up. <laughs> you can sit down again. Okay, so this is what it looked like a little moment ago. <laughs> um, it's not uncommon at this day and age at all. It's actually one of the most symptoms of our modern day life. We start running from one place to the other. We start thinking like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do this. And then this will make me happy. And this will make me fulfilled. But actually, what I realized is that I have been kind of firefighting yeah, firefighting my life. I've been running away from something, running towards something, never really knowing what am I running to, what am I running away from, what do I want to do. So I started realizing I don't know myself at all. I don't know what motivates me. I don't know what makes me wake up in the morning, what brings me energy, what drains my energy. 
And with that, finally, after a very long introduction, <laughs> I would like to share with you my first message. Get to know thyself. Really get to know yourself. Take time for you. And I don't mean by going to a spa and relaxing, that's perfect, that's great, so much fun. But actually, getting to know yourself is a lot of work. You have to spend time on digging a bit deeper. I will not leave you there. I will share with you a couple of things that actually helped me along this journey. So what helped me? Authentic leadership. Think about a year ago or something, there was um, a seminar organized by ING. It was called the Think Forward Leadership Experience. And in that seminar, the first day and a half, they spend a lot of time and effort to help you find your purpose in life. It's organized by the London School of Economics, I believe, and it's based on the book called Two North. So if you don't do the seminar, you can check out the book. What does it mean? They take you on a day and a half journey, taking you all the way back to your childhood, all the way back to your hopes and dreams, uh, your role models, your crucible stories, which means the life-changing events. So it can be a birth of a child, a death of a relative, something really that changed or affected your direction in life. They put all of this together into one small sentence. And I will share with you my personal life purpose, because then hopefully it will be a bit more clear. Yeah. So my personal life purpose is bringing in peace and harmony by stimulating inner transformation. Very big words. <laughs> so let me explain. Um, it's also one of the reasons I'm standing here today. Bringing in peace and harmony for me is the outcome. It's finding your rhythm with your surroundings. So life around us, technology, people, everything changes so fast. It's constantly moving and you're always feeling like, oh, I need to catch up, I need to catch up. So having the peace and harmony is finding your natural rhythm with your surroundings. That's the one part. The second part is stimulating inner transformation. What do I mean? Think about it that you want to find the tools, the strength, the things within you, so from inside of you, your core, and finding the tools within you to actually allow yourself to find that rhythm. We have a lot of things within us, and we just sometimes need to dig a bit deeper to be at peace with ourselves. You know, fluffy words. <laughs> but this kind of also makes you future-proof. If you think about it, regardless of what happens around you, what comes your way, if you have the core strength and your own tools within you, you're kind of able to deal with everything that changes. So that's my purpose. Another thing that helped me, so oh, speaking of the purpose, since I did find that purpose, I keep checking in with myself along the way. Um, I recently stepped into this new role of the uh, area lead, and I want to make sure I'm doing my job in a way that aligns with my purpose, in a way that keeps motivating and energizing me so I, you don't see the cages again a year from now. That's the, <laughs> that's the, the dream. The, thing, the other thing that really helped me um, is something called Search Inside Yourself. Don't know if anyone has ever heard about it. So I think there are a lot of people from Google here, so you probably did hear about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it started within Google, and it's about mindfulness, uh, mindful leadership, the reason I really liked it is because it really talks to engineering mind. It explains how the brain works, right and left side of the brain. It explains what happens to you physically when you're stressed, when you're going through certain emotions. So it helps you to really search inside yourself. 
and it doesn't leave you there, but actually in the seminar, it also gives you some really nice practical tools that you can use in your everyday life, at work, if you sp especially if you are in a leadership position, uh, things like being mindful when you're talking to people, having difficult conversation. It's a great seminar and a really good book as well. One of the tools that I really liked in uh, Search Inside Yourself was journaling. And it's not the Dear Diary. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Journaling is just a brain dump of everything that is in your brain. So you just start writing and writing, not typing. I know when I started writing, my fingers were not working very well. But it's important that you write because it activates a different side of your brain. So journaling is really just a complete brain dump. I'll give you one example where journaling really helped me. I tend to be the positive, happy person in the office, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> um, and I was in this meeting uh, with people that I know and work with all the time, and they know me really well. And every time they say something, I was like, no, that's not going to work. No, that's a horrible idea. I was so negative. <laughs> I can see myself doing it, and I couldn't stop myself. It just kept coming out. I was like, OK, what's going on? Anyway, so after the meeting, I took a corner, took a piece of paper, and started writing. And just, it, it really brings clarity. And it's like, oh, OK, so this is what was happening. <laughs> and then I took that, went back to them, and was like, sorry, there's something going on. But actually, that's what I think of the idea, and that's what I think is good, and so mitigated. So it really does help you manage yourself a little bit. The last thing is crucibles, and the crucible stories that I mentioned. We go to a lot of events in our life. And you can be maybe not the victim, but you can be uh, uh, like you see the event happening, or you can use these events to dig a bit deeper into your life. So that combining with, with uh, journaling is really good. One example, um, for me personally, I went through a divorce like a year and a half ago. And I could have said, yeah, you know, people get divorced and separate. But I decided that I'm going to use this crucible to find a lot more about myself. Why am I happy? Why am I not happy? What brings me energy? So try to use these life-changing events to really dig a bit deeper. So now that we got to know ourselves a bit, brings us to our main message of the day. Bring thyself to work. So bringing yourself to work, I think, is a bit self-explanatory. But in case you need a bit more <laughs> elaboration, this picture is the Search Inside Yourself seminar. The, I heard about it from my previous manager. He mentioned it's like, yeah, you know, there's this book. And I got really excited about it. And it's like, OK, great, let's plan a seminar. I planned one seminar. I really liked it. I decided to plan another one. The reason I really liked it is because it's really aligned with my purpose. And mind you, I did this at work. I work in finance, and I work in technology. And I was asking them to sit in a room for two days sometimes meditate, sometimes close their eyes. I was terrified. <laughs> that first day, I was really I was like, OK, are, are people going to think I'm crazy? Are they going to judge me? Didn't happen. <laughs> it actually went really well. And it brought me so much energy that I'm doing it recurrently. And I realized that when I have a purpose, I can bring this into work. I can squeeze it in in some place. The other part is being vulnerable and authentic. And that's more or less also what I had to go through when I did the whole seminar thing. It's scary. You might be judged. You might not be judged. But who cares? You are who you are. Being yourself is what differentiates you from others. So it's really important. The last one is the fun part of bringing yourself to work. So on the left is my manager. <laughs> on the right is someone I used to manage, and I'm in the one in the middle. And I didn't start it, by the way. But <laughs> it, funny enough, 
because my manager was a bit feared in the area then. I think after that day, everyone just became friends. It's like, yeah, we've seen you go upside down. <laughs> so why is it so important to bring yourself to work? Um, I've talked a bit about being fulfilled and being happy and finding your purpose, and that's great. Let's think about it a bit from an organizational perspective. Diversity is very important. And again, I'm not going to go to all the literature and the research of why it's important. Diversity brings in a different perspective. But let's go a little bit deeper. If you think of diversity of like granular diversity, each one of us is different. From the outside, definitely, from the inside as well. Each one of us is composed of a lot of different things, your personal life, your hobbies, your fears. And this is what makes you who you are. Now, if we go from granular diversity, and people might seem from the outside a little bit different, and if the clicker works, it would be great. Yeah, OK. So if you go from granular diversity, once you go into that level, with diversity, you actually find similarities. Everyone can connect with someone else on some point. You will find something in common with someone else. So if I go as far as saying diversity actually brings unity. But this is not going to happen by itself. You're not going to just finally wake up and find a culture where everyone's sharing and happy and loving and all of that, no. So it does require a little bit of work. And that brings me to my third message. Get to know thy neighbor. People need a little bit of help when you're trying to encourage them to open up and to bring them full, their full selves to work. And why is this so important? Well, I mentioned diversity brings in unity, but how? Empathy. Um, not, not to say that you know, humans are bad, but humans by nature, they empathize with like. Like empathizes with like. You empathize more with your friends, with your family, with your community, with people who look like you. And the more people find similarities, the more they start empathizing with each other. And why is this important? I'll give you a nice example. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you work in big companies, maybe international, maybe different cultures, different nationalities. Currently, ING is uniting Belgium and Netherlands. It's countries that are very close together. You think they're exactly the same, but no, there are differences. And when you have this empathetic, open culture, it makes it so much easier to communicate with different nationalities, different backgrounds. It makes you much more productive, much happier, you deliver faster. So even from an organizational perspective, other than your own personal fulfillment, it's really important to try to have this empathetic culture. Okay, so what helped me? Because again, I don't want to leave you hanging. <laughs> so a few things helped me to get to know my neighbor. One of them is start with how are you. It's a very simple thing. People go from one meeting to the other and they're rushing and it's content and it's stress and did you deliver this and what's happening here? Just taking maybe a minute, 30 seconds, whatever long it takes to ask the person, how are you? And don't ask them how are you, waiting for them to finish so you can already start saying whatever you've been preparing yourself to say. And this is actually one of the really nice tricks that I learned in Search Inside Yourself as well. It's called mindful listening. So mindful listening, meaning you're actually listening. And a nice way to practice it is when someone's talking, repeat what they said after. It works like magic if you just take this moment to care about the person standing in front of you or sitting. Um, 
whether it's their person, maybe they have problems at home, maybe they're stressed today, maybe they're happy, maybe they're having another problem, give them the space to say that. It creates a really nice bond, especially if you're in a leadership position, these kind of things cascade down. If you're the type of manager who's always running, always stressed, whoever you're managing is gonna be exactly the same thing. So it really starts with you. Another nice thing to do is a walk and talk. It wasn't my idea, but I did come up with a name. <laughs> so um, I think a few weeks ago, we went to an offsite, and one of the agile coaches suggested that we start the offsite by walking around the premises. So there was like a, some woods around. We're a smaller group. I don't know if it works in a big group, but in a smaller group, walking in pairs, and then every 20 minutes, half an hour, switch. With one rule, you're not allowed to talk about work. You can talk about your personal purpose, you can talk about your family, your hobbies, whatever it is, you're not allowed to talk about work. It's really nice, and I've actually been told by people who have been working together for two or three years, they knew more about each other from this half hour than how what they've known for two years. And funny enough, now they work a lot better together as well. So that's the second one. The last one is two facts and a foe. So we have a lot of team building exercises and those are really great. This one is my personal favorite because it's personal. Two facts and a foe is if you have a group of people and uh, everyone shares three things about themselves, again, personal, and two of them are facts and one of them is a lie. And the team, like the, the people in the room have to guess which one is the lie. And it's so much fun. We discovered, I think, we had a dance choreographer. He had to actually dance to convince us he's a dance choreographer. <laughs> we discovered a professional singer, a basketball. So it's, it's really fun, and people start to see each other in a different way. OK, so let's reiterate. What have we gone for so far? So bring yourself, oh, get to know yourself, bring yourself to work, get to know thy neighbor, and this brings me to my last message of the day. I hope by now that you kind of recognize why it's so nice and why it's so important to bring yourself to work. How do you scale this? It is not easy to do that on a grand scale. I will share with you again a few tips. <laughs> um, one of them I've already mentioned, which is it really just starts with you. Just start doing it. Just start being comfortable with your other hands that you usually leave at the door when you go to work and be open. And people will start copying that behavior as well. Another one, which I call the farming uh, approach. Um, find the seed, plant the seed, water the seed and grow it. And what is the seed? It comes a bit more natural to some people than others, being open and being vulnerable. So encourage that behavior. If you find these people, and if you, for example, have a team of very introverted people, maybe add an addition that will start poking you a little bit and get them to open up a bit more. And then encourage them too, because people sometimes want to do it, but they feel they'll be judged, they'll be discouraged. So if you just start encouraging that behavior, it really works. And by the way, the farming uh, approach <laughs> works in a lot of different things if you want to start plant, like, changing attitude or culture a little bit. Okay, so within ING, we have something called the orange code. I think in most organizations, big or small, especially the bigger ones, they have like a code of conduct or the principles that help create the culture, right? So within ING, we have the orange code 
and I would like to highlight a couple of them that I think really help in creating this type of culture. The first one is you help each other succeed. Helping each other succeed, as it means, it's simple, you help each other succeed. But the reason I really like it is because it feels very horizontal. It feels very collaborative. It's the, and to help each other, you actually have to get to know each other. So it's not like, yes, we as managers will help the people, but it's really everyone helping everyone. The other one that I really like is you take it on and make it happen. Again, this is simple. You take it on and make it happen. You have the attitude of let's just do it. The way I interpret it and the way I really like it, because it also means you don't really have to stick to your role. You don't have to stick to the mold. If you see something, do something. <laughs> so if you see a gap or something that you feel like you want to improve and it identifies with your passion, it identifies with your purpose, just take that extra step and go for it. And the culture encourages you to do that. And if it doesn't now, then hopefully it will in the future. So if, for example, the Search Inside Yourself seminar, it was really way out of my role, nothing, out of my role, out of my comfort zone, out of a lot of things. But it brought me so much energy. And actually, one of the reasons I decided to talk about this today was the day after that uh, seminar, people came to me and was like, oh yeah, thanks for organizing. And like, oh, okay, like, so the, my purpose in life is working to some extent. <laughs> um, and the last one is you stay a step ahead. And I really think that having this type of open, empathetic culture is really not a matter of when, it's, a matter, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Sooner or later, all organizations are going to realize, at least that's my personal dream, are going to realize that it's a prerequisite for you to have this kind of culture if you really want to be future-proof, if you want people to come, especially the millennials, <laughs> if you want people to come and work with you and be happy. And I think with that, I finished all of my messages. I do have a request for you to actually start with it. And please, right away, as in tomorrow, if you can. <laughs> Again, it's not black and white. You don't have to do just one thing or the other. You don't have to check out all of your other selves or your hobbies or your problems or your personal life at the door just to step into the office. You are who you are because of all these different things. And this is will, what will differentiate you from everyone else. This is your diversity. So with that, I also have to share with you my very small, very uh, humble ambition that I also want to bring in world peace. So please do help me. <laughs> Thank you. Questions? <laughs> Great, thank you so much. Thank you. And yes, world peace, absolutely. Just a small ambition. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make it. <laughs> All of us uh, uh, make an effort together, <laughs> undoubtedly. Um, we have some minutes left, which is good, because there are a lot of questions for you uh, okay. uh, came in through the app. You're doing really well with the using of the app. Mm -hmm. And actually, a couple of different people um, asked more or less the same question which is um, how would you implement these uh, ideas in a distributed or a remote team? Face-to-face, -face, it's much easier, but yeah. what do you do if you work together remotely? Yeah, it's uh, a very good question. I think you have to spend face time. It has to start. First, invest a little bit into the travel, into getting to know each other, and it will save you so much in the future. But even if it's cross-border, travel and see each other. And if you really, really, really can't, then invest in a proper video where you can talk to each other face to face and not always about work. 
you, you really have to put in a little bit of time to not only always talk about what you need to deliver next week, but who are you and who is this person and why are you going to help me? So that would be... Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. good mm -hmm. tip. Um, another one was that uh, somebody noticed that in the photo where you were standing on your head, <laughs> there were only male colleagues around you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how do you experience this uh, male work environment? And perhaps just to, to add another question to that, um, a lot of tech companies are, of course, male-dominated, and they tend to go in for um, uh, a lot of drinking beer and partying as a way of, um, uh, uh, of connecting. So how do you deal with that as a woman? <laughs> okay. So the first part, I've, well, I mean, I work in finance and technology, so I have to admit, I've never actually really worked in a female company. I've been with more than at least a couple of females. It's always been less. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but this is exactly what aligns with what I've been saying, because we don't need to start acting like what males do for you to feel that you are on the same level. You still have to be who you are, and you have to be comfortable with who you are. We tend to sometimes take a step back and say, actually, I was even, I did the exact same mistake when I started in my new role, um, because all the people on the same level are more male. So I was like, I was starting to look like, yeah, but what do they do? Oh, if I'm stuck here, do I do what he's doing? It's like, no, stop, stop doing that. <laughs> what Not do you want to do it? How do you see it? How, what do you want to bring in? Just be blind to whether it's male or female around you. Do what you want to do. Don't see that. So they can also stop seeing that. Okay. That would be my tip. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, final question um, that came in. Uh, do you have any advice on balancing working and living abroad and having aging parents back home in another Ooh, country? Oh, that's a nice one. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Downsides. <laughs> I have exact same scenario, actually. And one of the reasons I initially decided to go like to leave corporate and stuff was because when my mom got sick it's really difficult and I always have this like inner guilt that I'm not doing enough so I try to compensate with it in other ways I try to visit a lot and actually my parents are visiting now and they did ask me to take a video but <laughs> it's just being at peace with it because you have to be um, strong and you have to be doing what you want to be doing with your life for you to be able to also help them when they need if you drop everything just to be with them they don't want that either so focus on your life and give them as much attention as possible try to take some time and go visit them try to bring them here include them in your life talk to them I call them every day actually um, and we've become a lot closer since I moved abroad than they, like, we were when I was in Egypt because it was always, you know, running, doing your own thing. But now when we're together, we're really spending quality time together. So it's okay. difficult, but it can work. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good luck with that. Thank and you. Thank you so much for your talk. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>